And God, for that, you deserve praise. Lord, we lift up your name. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, praise God. Amen.
I'll never be more loved than I am right now. Wasn't holding you up, so there's nothing I can do to let you down. Doesn't take a trophy to make you proud. I'll never be more loved than I am right now.
circumstance Sharon, you are enough Sharon, you are enough Sharon, you are enough I will be content in every circumstance
says this, Romans chapter 8, verse 14, in the New International Version, it says, they got it up there, all right, let's read it together, uh, 8 and 14, through 15, that they went back a little further, uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 14 through 15, let's read it off, best friend, let's read, for those who are led by the Spirit 
God, are the children of God, the spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about the adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in the uh, sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation awaits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God, we know that the whole creation has been groaning, as in the pains of childbirth, right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they have already have? But if we hope for what we do not have yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we do not know what we ought to pray for. The Spirit himself intercedes for words of groans, and who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. The word of God for the people of God. You may be seated. I want to talk to you this morning uh, briefly, because I know we're going to be walking today, and we're going to be taking our faith to the streets and walk in the streets. But I want to talk to you about a new relationship. Somebody say a new relationship. <laughs> Hallelujah. Lord, speak your servant listens. And we'll be careful to give you the praise in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Somebody clap your hands and give God praise all over the building. We're so grateful for all of you. We've been in this series for Romans for quite a while. And now we're getting to some things about the benefits. I, I think Paul was much like like Jesus in a way, because Jesus, um, he didn't always give you the fluff stuff and he didn't always give you the good stuff. Jesus, when he had his first church, he walked behind and looked to the people that were with him and said, unless you can eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you, you can have no part of me. Now, he was talking about communion. He wasn't talking about cannibalism, but he said it in such a way because he knew that there were people that were with him that weren't really with him. You ever had somebody in your life like that? They're with you, but they're not really with you. They're in the car with you. They're riding with you, but they're not really with you. They, they say they're with you. You guys may share similar looks and similar DNA, but the truth of the matter is they're not really with you. They're just simply in your vicinity. And Jesus wanted to make sure that where he was spending his time, he didn't have much time to spend, that he was putting all his efforts and his resources in those who would go out and change the world. So he wanted those who were serious. And John 6 and 66 says, after Jesus finished talking, it says, from that time, many walked away from him and walked with him no more. 
And he looks at the disciples he has left and he says, he looks at Peter and James and John and all the disciples and he says, will you go too? And Peter looks at him after what Jesus has said and says, Lord, where else would we go? Because you have the words of eternal life. In other words, there's nowhere else for me to go but to follow you, Jesus. And I've come to tell you in this day and time that God is not looking uh, uh, for a body of people that, that are coming just to have their ears tickled. He's not looking for a body of people that are just being told what they want to hear. But he wants a body of people that wants to know who he is and wants an intimate relationship with him. That's why I know it's a little shaky. Everybody's getting used to the to the new service flow. But last week was absolutely amazing, wasn't it? I actually took pictures. This place was lined with people praising, and I debated whether or not I would even sing songs that the Spirit of God was so heavy and so high in this place. Uh, And that's what God is looking for. He's looking for people who are seeking him. He's looking for people who want to be close to him. He's looking for people that say, Lord, I need you, and I am desperate for you. He's not looking for people who are looking for what they can get out of God, because here's the truth. Many of us seek the hand of God, but God doesn't want you to seek his hand. He wants you to seek his face because if you seek his face, the hand comes with it. (laughs) How do you know that, Pastor? Because he tells us if you want to know something, ask the person himself. Jesus says in Matthew 6, 33, if you seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness, all the other things will be added unto you. I'm afraid in, in, in an attempt to get many people to like us in Christendom and to bring people to Christ, we have told people about all the benefits that they could get first, and they come in to get the benefits, and then we say, oh, by the way, here's this part, and they say, I didn't sign up for that, I'm gone. <laughs> But I choose to do it Jesus' way. I choose to do it the way Paul did it. Paul starts in the book of Romans about talking about the sinful nature of man, saying that we are basically inherently sinful. I know in America we teach everybody that everybody's good, but Paul tends to believe what the prophets believe. There is not one righteous, no, not one. And no man seeks God, no, man, no, not one. It's not that your enemy is the problem. It's not that the people on the outside are the problem, but sin is the is the problem and many times sin is in us so Jesus came in the form of human flesh and the likeness the Bible says of human flesh sinful flesh and he came to die for us he came to die for all types of people those that didn't have him on his mind those that once knew him but walked away from him those that didn't want anything to do with him he died so that they would have a pathway to eternal life because it's God's will that no man should perish You can talk back to me today. It's God's will that no man perish, but every man comes to repentance. It is God's will that as many as possible will follow him and will seek him and have a fellowship with him this morning. And this morning, Paul gets to talk to us about a new relationship. Last week, we talked about uh, walking in the spirit and not satisfying the desires or the lust of the flesh, walking in the spirit, doing the thing, being led and spirit driven, allowing the spirit 
spirit that's on the inside of you when you become saved to be your comforter, to be your guide, to be what they call the Holy Ghost in the, in the, in the New Testament in the Greek, the paraclete, the helper. He comes alongside and he helps you and he teaches you and he guides you into all truth. If you want to know what truth is, don't look at your latest podcast. Don't look at your influencers on social media. Why? Because all they have is opinions and those opinions are, are distorted based on their worldview. If you want to know the truth, I'll tell you what's the truth. The Bible said thy word is truth. <laughs> if you want to know the path to go in life, if you want to know where the direction is in your life, uh, a life coach is good, but Jesus is so much better. <laughs> I've come to tell you that the truth of God's word is something that we need to cling to. And Paul is telling us this. He says, because those verse 14 of chapter uh, of chapter eight, he says, because those who are led by the spirit of God are the sons of God. In other words, everybody's not God's child. I know we like to have those colloquialisms. We're all God's children. But according to the Bible, we're not all God's children. We're all God's creation, but we're not all God's children. He said, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. And I'm not going to relitigate that and go into it. We preached a whole sermon on it last week. If you missed it, it's up. Go look at it. I, I, I tell you, I looked at it and it blessed my life. For did you know, and he says this, for you did not receive a spirit that makes you again a slave again to fear. When we were under the law, when the law was there, we had no hope. We just had a priest that could sprinkle a little blood and get our sins atoned. But we were slaves to sin. We were in bondage. I know we've been taught in this age that we're free and we are the, the culture of revolution. But I've come to tell you that all your life you will be a slave. The truth is, the only thing you really get to choose is which master you serve. Either you're going to be like Paul said, that I am a slave to Christ or a slave to sin. And Paul has told us that we should abandon sin and that Christ has come in the likeness of human flesh and that he is here to bring us from the brink of, of sin. And he's come to bring us salvation. And this is he says this. You have received the spirit of sonship. Now, if you're looking at that, most of us would look right past that. We wouldn't think much about it. He says, and by him we cry, Abba father. Now before father he uses a word called Abba. Why would he choose to use the word Abba? Because Abba is an informal word and there's a difference between a father and a daddy. <laughs> there's a distinct difference between a father and a daddy. A daddy, a father can come in and he can pay the bills and he can be a strict disciplinarian and he can bring all the rules about and, and, and he, he commands respect but you sit on daddy's knee. You have an intimate relationship with daddy. You're close with daddy. When you have your fears in life, you go to daddy. When you have your sadnesses, you go to daddy. When you fall and hurt yourself, you go to who? You go to daddy. When you bruise your knee or you're in pain, I've never seen anybody say, oh, father, I need you. 
<laughs> but when we're in pain and when we're in distress, I hear people calling on God and saying, Daddy, I need you and I need you right now. I've come to let you know that no matter where you are in life, no matter what socioeconomic status or wrong that you're on, how much money you have in your pocket, how much length you have left in your life, all of us need God on one level or another. Some of us need him to help us overcome addiction. Some of us need him to help us overcome depression. Some of us need him to help us overcome sadness and anxiety. Some of us need him to overcome our mouth. Some of us need him to overcome gossip. Some of us need him to overcome fear and negative thinking. But no matter what I say, some of us need him to overcome grief because we're grieving from the loss of a loved one. But no matter who you are, there's one thing that binds us all together. That's why we always come in here and cry out this room is because we all need God. We all need him. <laughs> we need him more than we know. And what he's letting you know that if you've come to Jesus, you don't have to worry about a formal relationship. Yes, respect God, but you can come to daddy. Why is this important? This is important because daddy, can. I love all of you. And I try my best to give to the church and give to you as much as possible. But your hand will not fit inside my wallet as much as my children. Because there's a limit for everybody on the outside. But when you have somebody that's yours, guess what? <laughs> there's no limit to what comes to you. They have full what? Access. They have full access. And not only do they have full access, the money that I'm accruing, I'm pretty sure I will not be able to spend it all before I leave. And when I leave, they get a what? Inheritance. If they give me grandkids, they know that the grandkids are no inheritance. I'm, I'm, I'm just playing. But I do that with my kids. I say, I want some grandkids. Or you're not getting any money. But at the end of the day, we look for an inheritance. We have a rightful inheritance. And what Paul is saying, he says, for you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you have received the spirit of sonship by which we call Abba Father. We also call it the spirit of adoption. Why do we call it the spirit of adoption? That's what it says in the old King James. And it's closer to the translation because Paul wants you to know something special about adoption. Paul is talking to people in Roman culture and adoption is different because in a, in a Roman culture, uh, you could divorce your child, but you couldn't have divorced somebody that you adopted. The person you adopted had more rights. You could disinherit your child, but you could not disinherit the person that you adopted because adoption had a special legal meaning. It meant that I took the choice to adopt you. I made a cognitive decision to go outside of my family and to bring you in my family, and I have counted up the cost of what it would take to do that, and so I brought you in, and when I bring you in, I bring you in knowing full well that you have the full rights and privileges of every one of my children, and those rights are irrevocable. <laughs> Why would he use that language? Because he wants you to know that when you've given your life to Christ, you have the rights of every one of his children. The Bible says you are joining co-heirs with Jesus, and those rights are irrevocable. He says those that I hold in my hand, no one can pluck them out. Why? Because he wants you to know that he loves you and that his love will keep you even when you can't keep yourself. 
Even when you feel weak and even when you feel uh, failing, you need to know this. Why? Because there's somebody in the building now dealing with guilt, dealing with sadness, dealing with all sorts of things. And you're beating up on yourself and and walking in condemnation. And, and, And I want you to know this. It's good to remind yourself of who you are and whose you are, because many times we get into legalism and we love emotionalism in church. Everybody likes to have a good church. Everybody likes to have a good time. I love it when we come in here and everybody's the raising the roof and it's great. That's great. It's exciting that all of us get excited about Jesus. But at the same time, sometimes that's how our walk with God is. And that's why many people fall away with Christ because they don't get a doctrinal relationship. They just get an emotional relationship. So you're only as close to God as you feel. So some days you're here. Some days you're here. Some days you're here. Some days you're there. Some days you're over there. You get cut off on 696 and you're there. I mean, we're all at different levels. And and that's why it's important to know who we are and to know that this is a legal right. Why? Because when Adam and Eve sinned, God created law and order in the earth and they gave up their rights. They gave up their rights. And the Bible says that Satan was the prince and the power of the air. That's what the Bible says. But when Jesus came, the Bible calls him the second Adam. And he says, by one Adam, sin came into the world but by the next Adam liberation and freedom comes in that all can be saved and when he brings that in he wants you to know that although Satan had a legal right to your soul when you give your life to Jesus now legally you are Jesus and there are no take backs (laughs) somebody say I belong to him so when you mess up, when you falter, when you make a mistake, you don't have to walk around in condemnation. The Bible says this. It says that a righteous man will fall seven times. Why did he use the number seven? Because seven was a number of completion, a number of continuation. In other words, that it means that there's no limit to how many times a righteous man will fall. But what makes him righteous is he gets back up. So look at your neighbor and say, get back up. Oh, y'all waking up now. Go ahead. Give God some praise. You're talking to me now. It's time for somebody to get back up again. You've fallen down and you said, I fell down so many times. I don't feel like getting up anymore. I don't feel like trying anymore. I've tried everything. I'm so glad that God didn't save me according to my feelings. He saved me according to my faith. And no matter how you feel, there's nowhere that you can drop to that the love of Jesus can't find you and pick you up and restore you and comfort you. And that's enough to give God praise. He's had that we have a relationship that's strong. And he said, if we have this relationship, not only are we children, but we are heirs. And if we suffer with him, we will reign with him. Here's the fine print again. I tell you right up front that following Jesus doesn't mean everything will go right in your life. It doesn't mean that every diagnosis from the doctor will be good. It doesn't mean that you won't have some months where you have more months than you have money left. But you're going to have to suffer for Christ. We are in a situation 
situation in the world where we're in a postmodern and a post-Christian society and people are moving away from God. This is the way of civilizations. And guess what? When you decide to follow Christ, you now enter an antagonistic world that is antagonistic against the things that you believe. And sometimes you may have to suffer. You may lose some friends. You may lose, lose some followers. You may lose other things. Why? Because the cost to follow Jesus is high because nothing worth having doesn't cost you anything. Salvation is free. You don't have to do anything for your salvation. You you just have to believe you're saved by grace through faith. It's the gift of God, lest any man should boast. But if you're going to be connected with Jesus in a close close relationship, what you have to realize is that you're going to go into places where some people don't understand. You're going to go to some places that even Christian folk don't understand. How do you know? Because I see some people looking at me a little crazy when I say, don't talk when you come in the door. Because we're going to a place that that some people don't understand. We've been, some of us are different levels in our Christianity, not levels in our salvation. There's no levels to our salvation, but in our maturity and walk with God. And when we come in here now, we want to fellowship, we want to have fun, but we want to come in here with a spirit of gravity, gravity and a spirit of seriousness. Why? Because we come to have a spiritual experience with God. We don't just come to have good church. We come that God can bless us and meet our needs and meet our lives and we can give him glory and we can have a true fellowship and connection with him. And when you want that, when you want to go beyond dry, dead religion, when you want to go beyond dead, dry, dead sermons, it takes prayer. It takes time. That's why we're locking the doors now and leaving people out until prayer. How dare you lock the door and leave me out? Do you know who I am? I do, and I see you at 1055. Because in here, this is time for prayer because we're going to honor prayer because Jesus never said that my house should be a house of good music. He never said that my house should be a house of lights. He never said my house should be a house a good praise teams and you uh, he said my house shall be called a house of prayer and if you love Jesus you need to love prayer if you need to love Jesus you need to love what he loves you need to want to be connected with him and fellowship with him because we are his children the Bible said that we are his children we are the sheep of his pasture hallelujah There's no more fear in following Christ. You know what? I want to live a long life, brother Ernie. I really do. I want to see my grandkids, and I want to to see my great-grandkids. And although I I, I walked out last night, and Robin and I were driving behind a gentleman, his motorcycle had fell over in the thing, and I hopped out of the car. I forgot to ask Robin to stop. I just opened the door and hopped out because I thought he was in distress. And I got up, and I started pushing this guy. And when I realized that we got back in the car, I said, you know what? That was really dangerous. That was really stupid what I did. But the guy needed some help, so I stopped out. And I started doing it. And I said, you know what? And I, this is what I did, Sister Barbara. He said, I need you to push the motorcycle so I can catch up. So here I am pushing a motorcycle right across through an intersection. <laughs> and it caught up and it took off. And I thought about it. That's really dangerous. And I thought, you know what? You're always only seconds away from death. Amen. You're one decision away from the upper room. The only difference between the Christian and the non-Christian is now, although we're not rushing to die, there's no fear in death. (laughs) Because death for the Christian isn't the end, it's only the beginning. (laughs) 
Thank you, God, that you've seen fit to call me your son. Yes, there will be struggles in your life. But 2 Timothy lets us know, 2 Timothy 11 through 12 and Romans 8 and 17, it says that we know this, that if we suffer with him, we will reign with him. We will reign with him. This is important. Most of us want to reign, but nobody wants to suffer. Everybody, 2 Timothy, they've tried to pull it up. I said 2 Timothy 2, 11 through 12. I was probably talking too, too fast. If you want to pull it up, you can. But I've come to let you know that part of coming to Christ is dealing with suffering. Let's read that together. What does it say? This saying is trustworthy, for if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. Oh, wow. But why would we deny somebody who's loved us so greatly? How great did he love us? Do you know the price that was paid for your life? (laughs) I saw a Facebook post, not much on Facebook, but we upload and we're streaming across Facebook now. And I thought about something. Somebody put something up and it just struck my mind. They said, do you realize that your soul, that God died for it and Satan wants it every day? Do you realize how valuable it must be? That God himself was willing to send his son to die for it. And Satan is trying to destroy it. I want you to let that sink in. There is an ongoing battle for the souls of men. There is an ongoing battle for your soul for your internal, eternal destination. And Jesus has already gained the victory. All we have to do is simply trust in him. And not only do we, and, and here's the deal, if I saved you, I might say go about your way, but God saved us and said, come on in. I'm going to bring you into my family and I'm going to give you the rights and the privileges of anybody else in my family. I know a lot of children would be mad if you had a loaded parent and they said, I know you thought you were getting all this, but I got about 15 other people to bring in here to be able to share this inheritance with. You would say it's mine, but we serve a God that is so big and so vast that his inheritance is much more than any of us could ever fathom and he has more than enough for everybody. I've come to tell you that whatever you need from God. If you're hurting and you're sad, if you need peace from God, he has it. If you're dealing with anxiety and you need calmness from God, he has it. That's why we're, we're pushing so much for prayer, because there's only so much you can do in your own natural. You have to learn how to tap into the presence of God. You have to learn how to connect God. This is just not a mere physical battle. We are spiritual beings living in a physical body, and we must spend much time in prayer because we are now in a new relationship with Christ Jesus. Uh, the first thing you you have to know everybody said God is my father. You have to know that. Why do you have to know that? Because sometimes you're going to mess up in life and you're not going to feel like God is your father. You, you're not going to feel like you're saved. And you always have to keep the word of God before you that if I believed and trusted in Christ, God is my father. Amen. But I messed up yesterday. But God is my father. I, I said something I wasn't supposed to say, but God is my father. I, I did something that I wasn't supposed to do, and, and now I, I'm beating myself up with condemnation. You have to remind yourself that God is your 
Father. Which means, I'll tell you something, I, I did some things in my life, but I remember I did something and I thought it was the worst thing in the world. And I was so ashamed to tell my mama I did it, and I was an adult. And I came to my mama, and, and, and my mama looked at me like I had lost my mind. You know why? Because no matter what I did, I was still her. I didn't have children yet. I, didn't, I couldn't understand that. But you can see that. You can find the hardest person in the world. He can have tats from the top of his head to, to, the, to the bottom of his feet. He can have, have nodules in every ear and things like that. And he can be getting arrested for a bar fight. But when he goes in, if you ask him if you want the message, he's going to look up and say, tell my mama I love her. <laughs> Why? <laughs> because he realized something. That no matter what he does, he finds unconditional love through his mother. I want you to know that you are unconditionally loved. You don't have to work for the love of the Father. You receive the love of the Father. He says we receive the spirit of adoption. All you have to do is receive what he already wants to give you. Jesus has let you know that he says, who of here whose child asked for bread and you would give him a stone? He said, if you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more does your heavenly father know how to give gifts to those who ask him? <coughs> I'm letting you know today that there is a new relationship. You are no longer on the outside, but if you have given your life to Jesus, you are in on the inside, number two, because we got to go. Everybody say, I must Focus on my future. How do I do that? Romans chapter 8 verse 18 says this. Paul says, I consider that the present sufferings are not worth, that our present sufferings, you can read it with me. Let's read it together. Let's read. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that shall be revealed. In other words, everybody say, it's not that bad. I know it feels like your world is going to end and your heart is going to explode. I know some of you, you remember when you were little and you had that crush and you would, you would write the notes on there, do you like me, check yes and no, and, and that person said maybe, and all of a sudden you felt like you were going to fall through the floor. You felt like your world was going to end, or that boyfriend or that girlfriend. You felt like that world was going to end, or even that spouse that walked off and left. You felt like your world was going to end, but guess what? You're still here. It's not that bad. Jesus says, no temptation has come upon you except such as common to man. In other words, you're not going to go through anything in the human experience that nobody else has not gone through. And I've already calculated it. And all you have to do is try to stop working on your own strength. I am here. I love you. And I died for you. Quit trying to heal yourself and give up and allow me to heal you. Quit trying to fix yourself and get up and allow me to fix you. Quit trying to do it on your own and let me be your daddy. When we were building this thing, kids, my kids would try to pick up something, and every now and then I said, don't pick that up, that's too heavy for you, you'll hurt yourself. And I would walk up and I would pick that up for them, and I could see them still trying to struggle to pick it up on their own, because they want to feel like, I'm, I'm getting bigger, I can do it on my own. But what they don't realize is, while they're struggling, it's easy for me. Why are you trying to hold on to that sadness? All you have to do is give it to Jesus. 
while you're holding on to your past mistakes, all you have to do is give it to Jesus. While you're holding on to the guilt of your past, all you have to do is give it to your daddy. He's waiting on you to take the burden off of you. Why are we letting burdens sit on top of us when Jesus wants to heal every hurt and pain and release those things from my life? You're not an outsider. You're a son. The door, I got it late. The door is not locked to you. Thank you so much. You're a son. Why won't you give it to Jesus? Because what he says is, even the stuff that I'm going through down here, God knows it. But he's got something prepared for me that's so much better up there. When I get to that place, I look back and say, I can't believe I was sad that I lost that house and you gave me this. I can't believe that I was sad that this person walked out of my life and now I feel everlasting love and joy. I can't, be, I, I, I can't believe that I spent so much time grieving instead of listening to you saying, yes, weeping will endure for a night. But joy comes in the morning and I spent more time grieving than I had to grieve because I didn't know how to give it to you. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege it is to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what needless pain. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. Oh, because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Somebody say, take it to him. You got to realize you got a new daddy now. You don't have to do this on your own. In, in today's world, everybody's growing up in single parent houses. But, but when, sometimes when you grow up in a single parent house, sometimes somebody may, may not have a father, but a father married into the family. And they have to realize this is your father now. He's here to take care of you. And sometimes you might not think of it. You got to get used to it. But you got to get used to it. You are not a rank center on your own anymore. You have a father. You don't have to bear those burdens by yourself. And guess what? You are not alone because you your father has many children for you to connect with and you can reach out. And when one falls, we all fall. When one hurts, we all hurt. You don't have to suffer in silence. This is what Satan will tell you, Brother Ernie. He'll say, see, nobody cares about you. You hurting right now. They don't even know you hurting. Nobody's called you. Nobody's checked on you. They don't even care. You just, they, they don't care. That's what, doesn't he talk to you like that? He gets in your mind. He talks to you and says, these people don't care what I'm going through. They don't care at all. And many times we do that not realize that people don't even know we're hurting. People are not omniscient. God is. They don't know what you're going through unless you let them know. But here's the thing. God has people. If you just reach out, he has people that are more than willing to reach back. That's why I love this church, because this church is full of love, and there are plenty of people to reach out to and reach back to. I know that if I needed something, I could call. I could call Austin. I could call Ernie. I could call Dave. I can call Terhun. You know why? Because I've called him before. I could call Lee. I could call Terry. Terry's new, but I could call him. I know I can. I, I, I'm a pretty good judge of character. I can call Victor. I can call Bob. I can call Lamarck. I could call Brother Dan. I could call, call if I needed to. I can call Derek. I can call any of the men in this church, and I'm going to quit calling because I just realized it's too many of them the call. But at the end of the day, it's a lot of them I could call. Why? Because I have a relationship and we are connected by blood. Yes. If you're following Jesus, you're my blood relative. Because the blood of Jesus connects every last one of us. Yes. 
You're no longer Austin. That's why in church culture they call you Brother Austin. We don't do that much anymore because you're my brother. That's why you're Brother Dave and Sister Aaron. We should get back sometimes to using those words. We don't even know why we use them. Why? Because we're one family. That's why you're Sister Bernice, a Sister Barbara, a Sister McLaughlin, a Sister Stella. Because we're all one in Christ Jesus. We're almost out here. Number one, everybody said, God is my father. Number two, I must focus on my future. Since you know God is your father, you must focus on your future. And this is the last thing I want to let you know before we get our sneakers and hit the street and start praying over people and over schools today. Everybody say, I have help in my fight. Pull up Romans chapter 8, verses 26 to 27. I want us to read this. And if you don't get anything else, I want you to take this with you and your struggle. Let's read it. What does it say? Romans chapter 8, verses 26 through 28. Let's read. What does it say? Likewise, the spirit helps us in our weaknesses, for we do not know what to pray for as we are. But the spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the spirit, because the spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good and those who are called according to his purpose. Now, we have to read the whole thing because we just say all things work together for good. He said, no, for those that love God. If you seek his face, see, we're coming right back around to the beginning of the service. If you love him with all your heart, it may not work out the way you thought, but it'll work out. Brother Ernie, I was a mama's boy. I loved my mama so, so hard. I tried to, tried to do whatever I could for my mama. No matter what I did, uh, guess what? Her body began to fail. And I prayed and I fasted the first time she got cancer and the Lord healed her of cancer. And that was great. But the second time the Lord didn't heal her. And I prayed right to the very end and God didn't heal her. And that wasn't how I wanted it to be. But guess what? <laughs> Even though God didn't heal her the way I thought, he healed her the way that he wanted to because she's going to get a glorified body. And in my mind, I wanted to keep mama forever. But you know what the truth of the matter is? Mama's not gone. Mama's just in a new location. And I can't get where she is now. But one day, because we believed in the same God and the same Jesus that died for our sin, mama's not gone. It's not goodbye. I'll see you later. Kathy, Elaine, when we were in the room and we were around Miss Mabel, everybody stayed around to pray. And we prayed, and Miss Mabel was going to get ready to go home to be with the Lord soon. And I waited till everybody left, and just me and Pastor Hurston were there. And I whispered in her ear, I'll see you later. This is not goodbye. This is painful because she loved me. But even in the pain, God is still good. I'll use Sister Mabel for a second. You know why? Let me, let me tell you a quick story. For obvious reasons, when I got here, 
we were going, and when we got up and I talked to one of the bishops that was coming, and he said, they're pretty good people, and I, I think you're going to like them. Some of them from the South. He gave me all these things, and he said, and, not, and this was the furthest thing from my mind, but this is what he brought up. He said, by the way, I didn't tell him you were black. <laughs> I said, I don't think it'll matter much. <laughs> I love everybody, and I grew up with everybody, and I, I came up, and we pulled you all up to that, that place, and under the tree, there was a woman. She was in her 80s. She was a little old woman, and she was in her 80s. I could tell she was in her 80s. She said, you finally got here, something like that. And I heard a southern drawl, and here I am, a young black guy in his 30s, and I see this 80-year-old woman with a southern drawl coming from where I come, and the first thing that shot in my head is, I wonder if she's going to like me. <laughs> but not only did she like me, she made me one of her children. She made, I said I wanted sweet tea. She made Kathy and Elaine drag sweet tea to my house for the better part of a year till I told them to stop. <laughs> I would sit with her and she would just sit and we would sit at the house and talk for hours and I enjoyed the fellowship. And what made it so special is because in America, that is the oddest relationship that you can find. It was so odd that when she first went to the doctor, when she first, I first went to my first hospital visit, she was my first hospital visit and I went there and we were such an odd couple, Kathy and them had left. And I went out and I saw her coming out and they were rolling. I said, hey, Miss Mabel. And she lifted her head up on the, on the, on the hospital thing. She said, hey, Pastor. And, and, and this lady, I'll just be honest with you, I'll be real because we family here. Uh, everybody in here family. She looked down at this 80-year-old white lady and she looked back at me. Then she looked back down at Miss Mabel and she looked up at me and she said, you know him? <laughs> She said, yeah, baby, that's my pastor. He, he's a good pastor. We finally got a good pastor. And then she looked back down at Miss Mabel and she, she looked back up at me, <laughs> almost in disbelief. And she said, he's a good pastor. And she let me know right then. She told me something. She said, you know, pastor, my kids think, this was five years ago now. My kids think that I can stay here forever, but whenever God calls me home, I'm going to be ready. I'm ready to go. <laughs> but during that five years that I got to know her, she treated me just like I was her. That's love. Why am I telling you this? Because it was painful to say goodbye. I had to smile for the family and choke back tears, but it hurt my heart to say, I'll see you later. But even in my suffering and even in my pain, guess what? It, didn't, it wasn't about me because I knew one day I would get to see her again. Why am I telling you this? Because not everything in your life is going to work out the way you want it. Sometimes you want them to heal them and they take them home. Sometimes you wanted the job and somebody else got it. Sometimes you wanted your marriage to work and it didn't work out. Sometimes you wanted your kids to go left and they went right and they're in the penitentiary. Not everything will work out the way you want it to work out, but all things, if you just love Jesus, will eventually work out for your good. Because I reckon that the present sufferings of this life are not worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed. Because you have a new relationship. You're his children. No matter what your mistakes, he loves you. 
If you've given your life to him, he's forgiven them. Why won't you forgive yourself? One of my favorite scriptures is coming to be the older I get, Pastor Ernie, because the older I get, the more mistakes I make. <laughs> That's why I'm convinced that when they were trying to stone the woman caught in adultery, that the old people left first, because the older you get, you realize the dumber you are. <laughs> and how, how, how many mistakes you make and how human you are and, 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 and how not perfect you are. When, you know, when we're young, we think we know everything. We, th we think that we'll never make a mistake. We're real zealous. But as we get older and a little wiser, we realize we're not Superman. But you know what I figured out? That even in my weakness, I love this scripture. It says that while we were yet sinners. But Lord, you don't know what I did. Oh, yes, I did. And I died for you before you did it. Let that wrap in. He died for you before you did what you did. He knew you were going to do what you did. He knew you were going to mess up. He knew you were going to fall short. He knew you weren't going to get it right. He knew some of us going to lose jobs, some of us going to lose temples, some of us going to lose our freedom. But while we were still sinners, he hung his head and he died for us. Is anybody in here glad about your new relationship? As we get ready to close, I want you to remember this because when you go out of here, we're going to be praying, but somewhere around the week, you're going to hit a low point, as all people do, and you're not going to feel like you're his child. And as goes in spiritual warfare, the enemy is going to start bringing up, yeah, that's for everybody but you. And you remind the enemy when you hear that thought in your head, no, that's everybody including me. <laughs> for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe would not perish, but have everlasting life. The altar is open. Pastor Ernie, if you could come. Uh, Brother, Brother Dave, those who are on the prayer team, if you need the altar, you can come to the altar. We'll have people here to, to pray for you. If you need or if you just need to come to the altar on your own or where you are, I see his starting to bow out in the crowd. That's fine. What a friend we have in Jesus. That's a good one.